when you pay an influencer a thousand dollars for a shout out, you really have to spend a lot of money until you figure out the right influencers who would really move the needle for you. Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Do you feel you're wasting money you could be keeping in your pocket? Well, many private label Amazon sellers don't even know where they're wasting money, let alone how to stop it. And if that's you, we can help. Our new online assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a powerful and quick diagnosis, go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your instant free analysis straight away. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 398. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast for six, seven, and even eight-figure Amazon private label and custom product sellers. There's a niche podcast for you. Today, we are talking to Toma Hen. He is from Mobco Media, and they specifically help brands grow their profits with influencer partnerships. So today, we're going to talk about how to launch a new brand on Amazon using influencer partnerships. Really interesting topic. Toma, first of all, welcome to the show. Good to have you with us. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's uh, pretty exciting. Uh, Mobco Media, I think it's been around for quite a long time, hasn't it? But this is a relatively new focus of yours. So tell us a tiny bit about you, Mobco Media, first of all, sort of 60 second quick. Okay. Mobco just celebrates 10 this month. And we've been working with big brands for the last 10 years to help them acquire more users for their big brands like Amazon, L'Oreal, McDonald's. And in the last two years, we are heavily focused on e-commerce brands. I'm personally very passionate about supplements and biohacking and wellness and human optimization. So I really like working with supplement and food brand founders to help them grow their brand, specifically with influencer partnerships. Amazing. So that's nice and clear. And you've got some massive names you've worked with as well. So that's all very impressive. So today's question then is how to launch a new brand on Amazon with influencer partnerships. Now, I've seen various people do this over the years and with varying effectiveness. First of all, why should you bother doing this? One thing that strikes me is that it's a somewhat more sophisticated, more work than just spending some money on Amazon ads, for example. So why should we make the effort to do this? Yeah, I think you just answered the question. I think that this is the most overlooked strategy that brand founders go through when they try to scale their brand. So the easiest route would be to just go to Amazon, increase your budget, cut your margins, and try to race your way to the bottom. While we know that consumers nowadays have changed the way they make decisions on how they're buying decisions, basically. And... We all know the brands who have grown to billion dollar brands by using influencers. And of course, that's the rare case. But essentially, we are all influenced by whether it would be someone who just shared something on Instagram. It could be your mother. It could be a friend. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be Kylie Jenner to share a post about a brand, but we are all influenced 
by people who purchased something and we believe that would be a good fit for us as well. So building this trust with PC or with any type of, of paid marketing is way harder when you try to have polished creatives or when you try or when you try to sell something in the lens of of selling rather than just demonstrating the value that this product can bring you now this might sound a bit high level but really when we take this to the to practice it's really about real people that look just like your customers who are using the product and showing how easy, fun, tasty, beautiful, whatever it is that you se- you're selling, um, your product is. So it convinces or makes the customer really just make the decision way easier. Now, I think that most Amazon sellers or Amazon brand founders think that influencer marketing or influencer partnerships is just for either direct-to-consumer brands or that it, you should have huge budgets to do. But when I launched my supplement brand, I did not have huge budgets, but I knew that I made so many of my buying decisions through looking at Instagram posts or TikTok or LinkedIn or Twitter. So I said there must be a way to have an efficient strategy to launch your brand on Amazon or on Shopify, for example. So let's just talk while partnering with influencers. So sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to ask a really, hopefully an important question, which is what are we talking about when we're talking about influencer marketing then? Because you said it's harder to build trust via paid marketing. So that implies that you're not seeing influencer marketing as a paid marketing strategy. So tell me a bit more about your definition of influencer marketing. Yeah, first, I know I use the term influencer marketing because most people recognize working with influencers as influencer marketing, but I really don't like the term. I really prefer influencer relationship development, because I truly believe that, and it's not just, it's just a way of saying things. It's really because the right way to do influencer marketing per se is by building real relationships. Obviously, one of the best strategies to use influencer partnerships is by collecting an endless stream of content that you can then run as ads. But when you try to the Amazon algorithm or Facebook or Instagram with keywords and trying to to see what checkbox you need to choose in the platform in order to get more views, that's not the right way to win in these platforms. So essentially, the right strategy or the strategy that has been working for us to grow brands with influencer partnerships is by building real relationships with influencers or users who really love your product and they will partner up with you because they love your product and your brand and they want to share it with their audience. Most brands, most brands would go the exactly the opposite. They will try to convince influencers to post or create content around their brand in exchange for a payment. And we all know, or let's say that, let's compare it to real life. Like we all prefer to have a meaningful relationship rather than a transactional or paid relationship in any area of our lives. People are more invested and we know that it would long, it would work for the long term when, when the relationship is coming from a place of real connection rather than a transaction. 
Yeah, okay. So connection, not transaction is a really tweetable, if you like, one of the ways. <laughs> if Twitter still exists by the time you listen to this podcast, <laughs> that's another story. Talk about relationships. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So real relationships. And another question then that comes up is, you're talking about build real relationship with users who love products. So now I guess there's a couple of Venn diagrams I'm getting in my mind, which is number one diagram is people who use your product, of which a subset is people who love it, which is always going to be small, but it's always going to be there. Yeah. The other sub sort of diagram circle is people who have an audience and are good at creating content because that's not people who love stuff don't necessarily have an audience. So are you suggesting that you need to look amongst your own users yourself in a really organic way or... Are you going to go out and look for influencers and, and try and make them? Which one do you start with? Is it user or influencer? That's a great question. And that that's a question I get a lot. So basically, we need to see influencers, again, as people. And as well as we see customers. They are just normal people who happen to have great talent on getting attention from people on social media. And they have a relatively big following base. It could be even 3,000 people, but they're, they really trust what they're posting. So when you think about influencer partnerships, you should really think about who are the people that I would really want to try my product out because I feel that they are the best fit for my product or that my product will be a great fit for them. And they also happen to have, again, great talent to create content and attract attention from on social media. So they have a following base and that's what we call an influencer. But essentially they have to be in order for it to be very meaningful and successful, they have to be someone who would potentially just buy your product on Amazon and you would be very happy for them to be your customer. Yeah, that sounds quite like the way that I built a podcast guest, actually, like yourself. I mean, people that I would talk to, even if they weren't being a podcast guest. And yep. um, for me, as I suppose I'm influencer, it sounds like too grand a word for what I do, but amongst the Amazon sellers, the number one thing is simply I want to keep my audience engaged. Getting big engagements for a particular guest is a bonus and getting any kind of affiliate income. We do have affiliate partnerships with many people, but that's a good bonus as well. Sometimes it works very nicely financially, but I think that relationship with the audience is the number one thing for me. Do you find that's really what drives mm -hmm. influencers as well, or are they more commercial than we might? Think? Yeah. So I think this is a very delicate dance between relationship and real business. But I think when we think about the connection with influencers or again, just people who would happen to use your product and love it, that makes everything way easier because you don't have to think that hard. Of course, influencers and creators want to make money off their talent, but they also, they essentially, they want to get value from their talent. It could be free product. It could be great content opportunities. So if you happen to have a very cool product that they can share with their audience, that's great business value for them as well. They also, their number one priority, it would be with the one that we really want to work with would be to keep their audience loyal and engaged. And they know nowadays, they also have a lot of competition on, on over attention. If they can keep creating content around things that they truly love and believe in and their audience can feel it, because most content nowadays is video and it's very hard to fake authenticity with video. So they know that they only have a few shots before the audience understand that they just promote things to get payment out of it. And I think the way that brand founders or that e-commerce sellers look at influencers as just a channel to get more exposure and 
start a relationship in that way if we go to the into practice so just dming them or emailing them hey can you promote my product or would you like a free product in exchange for a post or would you like to join my ambassador program i think this i really like when brand founders choose this strategy because when we reach out to influencers and we come from a place of giving before asking that really gets their attention they're very happy to keep the conversations with us because it's so different in their inbox right yeah. they're used to brand founders who are asking things from them they're trying to extract their audience content and really they're just tired of it they're just like i wouldn't do it i have 50 like yourself who dm'd me today why would i choose you but when you come from place of giving before asking it gives you the opportunity to open a relationship and obviously you may give to so many of them and just a small percentage of them would actually turn into meaningful relationships but that those relationships would be truly meaningful and would turn into long-term partnerships that you can then monetize and they can monetize as well with either creating content for you or promoting your brand to their audience i say that this way that brand founders look at it is very beneficial for the brands who would really want to come from from the flip side yeah, sorry to interrupt. I suppose I'm trying to ask in the questions that, that business owners ask themselves. It's, is it relationship driven or real business? You're saying it's a dance and we need to approach in the spirit of giving first. So what are the sort of practical steps then? What is the sort of action list to actually get that to happen in real life? First of all, would you email people? Would you DM them? What sort of channels would you use? Yeah, to start the conversation with influencers, we would DM them and email them. It could be either or both. But I think the main point, again, is to remember to not ask for anything. If I want the listeners to take one thing out of this conversation is to try and hold your ask for as long as you can and more than that, because the more you can hold your ask, the more you will get eventually. So that means if we take it into practice, I would just offer free products to influencers or again, customers who would you would love to try your product to influencers who also have an audience, they create good content that they could, that you and your audience could relate to. And that again, if you see their profile and you think that they would be a great customer and they would leave a great review because they will be a great testimonial because they will leave a great review. That's an influencer you should reach out to just offer a free product, say that it wouldn't cost you anything. We don't expect anything in return and just open the conversation on that front. Now, what I really like is that one of the most common responses that we get to those emails or DMs is what would you expect in return? And I really like that because they are used to brands who will ask them for something in return. And it's so different for them for someone to email them and say, hey, I just want to give you free stuff. I don't expect anything in return. I just really love your content and I love what you do, and how you help moms organize their days or whatever it is that your niche is. And then when you say, I don't, I actually don't expect anything in return. I just, I would just love your feedback and hear how you like it. If you think that we should have it in different flavors or colors or size, whatever, and just ask for feedback. And that opens a very warm relationship from the get-go when you just give. Then once they got the product, they gave you some feedback, then you can keep nurturing that relationship. Many of them will just voluntarily post about your product, your brand. Some of them will just disappear. Some of them are just wasted product. But nowadays, the margins on COGS is 
pretty high. So you you need to budget some of those products to be quote unquote lost. But some of them will just post amazing posts that they would never have posted if you just asked them to post from the get-go. And this is what most brand founders do. They DM or email them saying, hey, I'd love to send you a free product, but I would love you to post something about it. And they're like, I wouldn't do that. I don't even know your product. I don't know if I like it. I can't commit to posting something about something I haven't tried. And from that point, it's just about nurturing the relationship and just if it's a consumable product, I would check in with them two weeks or four weeks from after they received the first product, offering them a second product. If it's not a consumable product, you can offer them a free product to their spouse or to their mother or to their friend or whoever, just to keep on giving and keep on and think that most brands would just do the opposite. So whatever you feel like you should be doing from a business perspective, do the opposite. I like that a lot. So I guess there's a very, very hard-nosed commercial side to a lot of e-commerce sellers. And I'm not judging. I think actually, I think being numbers-driven is a very healthy starting point from a business. But what I think you're saying is the amount you have to invest in, in something that is not something that your accountant would be able to see on a balance sheet it is a lot. And I like that a lot because the reality is that what you have when people talk about numbers in a business, I think what they forget is they're a proxy for a relationship. And that is the only value they have. Like the number of eyeballs you have on something, the number of clicks. Conversions actually yep. translate into actual money, right? But everything else in marketing metrics is a proxy for human relationships. And like even in an email list, I don't care if you got 10,000 people on your list, if they all hate you, it's meaningless. <laughs> More likely you have 10,000 people on your list and they don't remember who you are because you've never emailed them. That's pretty common in my experience. Yeah, I like that a lot. And it's a really hard discipline, as you say, because you're translating something very concrete and tangible, physical products with physical costs attached, something very intangible. So how do you begin to have that conversation with an accountant or a very numbers-driven entrepreneur who distrusts this process? How can we make that a more justifiable business-like decision and do what you're suggesting as well? That's a great question. And I understand where many brand founders or finance, the finance guys in the business would come from. But those same founders who would say, hey, but I'm sending 20 products and I've not got any posts. Th these products cost them maybe $300, but they could easily spend $1,000 on a shout out from an influencer not knowing what they will get eventually because it's more tangible because they know what they will get in the end which is a shout out they can show their friends show themselves and i get that i've been there as well and i spend so much money on expensive shout outs sponsorships and all of that and it just doesn't work because the moment you paid and the more they they delivered the deliverable the post they just forget about you they don't really care about your brand or your product they would not create better content they just like want your payments which is okay because this was a transaction now, the way I would look at it from a budget perspective is just giving or allocating some units of your product. I would say that even if you do 50 units of your product, and that should not be a high cost to have 50 products delivered, you will see the results that will justify increasing that into 100 and 300 and 500 or more than that. Because you will see that, oh, if your product costs $20 and you ship 50 and you spend $1,000 on shipping 50 packages to influencers and you get 10 posts out of it. That means that, you know, each of those posts costs you $100, including everything. You didn't have to pay a designer. You didn't have to pay an editor. You can take some of these posts and write as ads 
And we all know that UGC or IGC influencer generated content or user generated content is the best content that you can use as ads. You can take these content, use it on your website, on your email list, show some sh social proof. And you can proudly say that these were not paid partnerships. They did not post because you pay them. They post because they love your product. And you can say this to investors. You can say this to your customers. It's very genuine. It's very authentic. And many of the brand founders or all of them who run some paid ads on Facebook or TikTok, they will pay at least $100 or $200 for a studio to a banner ad or a photo shoot of their product. And they will easily pay $200 for that, for that creative that might work just as well. And they have no idea how that works. So here, if you look at it from, even not from the relationship perspective, but more from a content creation perspective, at least to get started, if it makes your life easier from a budgeting perspective, you should just see it as a way to create some posts or some content that you will then use as ads and email and website, et cetera. Uh, and then you will see the power of real relationships. And this will allow you to grow this from 50 packages that you send over to, you would want to make it 500, trust me. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 398. Yeah, so financially driven people that I generally find actually uh, all too rare, actually. There's still people go through ways that they or they have their strengths and weaknesses. But actually, once you've got some numbers they can look at that involve dollars or pounds or euros or whatever, then it's not a hard sell. As you say, it's getting to that point. I really like that comparison. So a couple of summaries for me would be, think of it as a budget for content creation. That's putting the bar pretty mm -hmm. low, but the expectation there is it's very concrete that you can compare the cost of getting an ad created and the cost of yeah. what you're going to get back. That's really great way of doing it and selling yourself on it, as it were, if you're a solopreneur. And then also, yeah, getting the, comparing it to the shout out. And as you say, I've seen this with my own clients. Um, it feels like a real ego boost, but I guess you're paying for ego boost, right? You're saying that these things aren't very effective. So tell me about the effectiveness of a shout out by an influencer. Is it really ineffective? Is there a way of doing it that does work that is quicker and easier to scale? Because I can hear people already thinking this sounds like a lot of work. How do I hack this? Yeah. So if we talk about paid shout outs, it's really a shot in the dark. Like everything that essentially everything that you do in marketing is a shot in the dark. But when you pay an influencer a thousand dollars for a shout out, you really have to spend a lot of money until you figure out the right influencers who would really move the needle for you. And I think it's just a waste of money because there is a better way to get to the same and even better result. And I think the number one roadblock that brand founders find when they believe in this strategy, they know that they need to create real relationships. The reason they don't do it is because they think it is not scalable, because they think that it's way scalable to just spray DMs and offering $200 for a post or $500 for a post. It's easier. You can go to agencies. You can, that's like a hand glove service. And it's more of a, I would say, quote unquote, dirty work to go and reach out to so many influencers, not getting responses, sending product, not getting anything in return. So I think what I came up with is just a system to go about it and to make it a very efficient process. So you can take relationship development and systemize it in a way that every business can just, or every brand can implement on their own. This is what we do for the brand that we work with, but it's basically a system that anyone can implement on their own. If you have the team, it would just take more time. And the 
I would say you have slow responses. It's more of a long-term play. You could see immediate results within just a few weeks if you do it right. But the dopamine hit of just getting an influencer agreeing to post about you and then getting a post 48 hours later cost you a lot of money. And I think you could just exchange that money with product that you would send. It would be way more beneficial for you. Worst case, you get some feedback about your product. And also to hire a team, it could be even a team of VAs or your social media manager or whoever it is, to just test, to, to taste the water and see the responses that you get from influencers. And again, you don't have to go as hard. You don't have to spend so much money. Try to allocate 30 packages. You will see some responses. You will see some results because you will get great content and promotion to your brand. But then you can increase it over and over. Yeah, that's great. The scalability piece is interesting, isn't it, as a barrier? I think people worry about scaling things when they haven't done anything yet. And uh, yeah. it, what's that phrase? Nail it, then scale it. Then it's the whole, was it the, or is it Andreessen or somebody like that? One of those the venture capitalist guys said, there's before product market fit and there's after. So I would encourage anyone with a new-ish product, if they're using this, to see the feedback is incredibly important because if you're putting a product out there that people give you who know and love a particular type of product and the feedback they're giving you is this is grim, you really want to know that as early as possible <laughs> because if you put it out into the market and put it on Amazon with that kind of feedback, you're going to get an ugly time. So that's one point that strikes me. So I would say calm down about scalability. It is obviously going to be hard work, but also, yeah, having a system is the key. So if we do want to scale this up ourselves. We'll talk in a second about services you offer, because obviously it does sound like a lot of work. One thing that strikes me as a barrier is just simply how do we identify the influencers in the first place? Because there are hundreds of thousands of people in any given industry we could potentially reach out to. How, we, how do you begin to break that down to a manageable number to even then start to reach out? That's a great question. So the way to find the right influencers to reach out to would be to start from the first, I would say, five that you would be very happy working with. And I guess that you are at least, let's say, even two influencers in your niche that you would say, oh, wow, if they would post about my product or if they would try my product and provide me feedback, I would be so happy because they're exactly my dream customer, my dream avatar. So start from there. And then you can use a, free, a few free tools to more and more influencers that look like these accounts. If you go on Instagram and you hit the down arrow to see the suggested account, just use this tool to find other accounts that are similar to that account that you would wish to work with. I really recommend not going over maybe 80,000 followers, maybe 100,000 followers, just because you will get better responses. And if you want to build relationships, Again, they're not transactional. Most of the influencers with more than 100, 150,000 followers, they will ask you for a payment, but not always. I do have a, a few very few success stories with influencers way above that. But again, if you want a thumb rule, I would keep it below 80,000. The other important thing is to see the engagement that they have and that they also create content that you could resonate with. So we, if, they love, if they don't post content, that is similar to your product or they don't have, they don't review any product or they don't show any of their life. It's just a promotional account, for example. I would not just, I would not reach out to them. Of course, you can reach out when you see this is a numbers game. You can reach out to as many as you like, but if you want to narrow it down, I would start there. Also the engagement, see the comments that they have, not just the likes that they have in the post. If you see a healthy number of comments related, related relatively to the number of followers and likes that they have, 
it means that they have genuine and engaged audience. The other cool way to look for influencers is to go to one of your competitors' pages or profiles and see the tag section in their profile. And then when another account tags them, an influencer or a customer, they will tag them and it will show up on their profile. So you can go through this list and reach out to those accounts and offer them a free product and opening up their relationship. Right. There are some other paid tools that you've probably seen if you Google influencer marketing or partnerships. Most of them, to me, I think they're overpriced and they underdeliver. To be honest, I would not invest on these tools, especially if you're just starting out. I would use the free tools that you have from TikTok and you have the TikTok Creator Marketplace, which is a great tool as well. Pretty easy to follow. But the really the good and old way, just go on Instagram, go on TikTok, go on YouTube, search your keywords, and then scroll from there. You'll see that you can spend hours and days on finding thousands and thousands of influencers that you never even heard of. Yeah, great. I like that. And I was grinning when you said, oh, go to your competitors and look at the hashtags because that starts to feel like more like the hacks that Everyone seems to love yes. internet marketing podcasts, particularly in the Amazon world. And then we have a sort of, we got trained by Amazon and put an ad out today, spend money on an ad today and you get sale tomorrow. And that's direct response, sales led marketing. And this is way up the funnel, right? This is where you're reaching out to get awareness. Do they exist? Who are they? What kind of impression is it? And so we have to educate ourselves. I think that we in that way of thinking that is much less transactional, as you say, relationships, not transaction. That's one of the key things I'm taking from what you're saying. And it all makes total sense. And what I think is really fantastic about this is counterintuitive that it's quite hard and that most people find it daunting. I think that's really fantastic because that's a barrier to entry for my competitors. Everyone in the world does Amazon ads and it's super overpriced. So this is yeah. great. So look, tell us about the services you offer because it does sound like all things being equal, it is still going to be quite a bit of work, right? It is work. And it's obviously something that for somebody who's very busy and has the budget to spend on it, it makes sense to try and get somebody else to do that work. So what what services do you offer for Amazon sellers, particularly or e-commerce sellers in general? Yeah, again, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of manual work. But again, as entrepreneurs and founders, we it's a lot of work to also pack your products and ship your products and all of that. But you hire other people to do that. When I work with brand founders, we either do two things. It's either fully done for you program where we research, we manage the relationships with the influencers for at least six months. We collect the content and we, we join them to the ambassador program, make sure that they also promote your brand and they also get sales and a huge amount of content that you can then run as ads. And then after six months, we can either hand it over to you with the systems that we've built and the relationships and the, the processes, or we can keep on managing and nurturing those relationships. The other way is just me working with the brand founder to implement our systems within their business. So hiring the VAs, hiring the right teams, creating all the reach out templates and the processes and exactly how you should be doing it. And it's pretty custom made to um, how much wh whoever on your team that you have that you want to take over this program, or if you want to hire a team of freelancers to do that for you, and then you own the system. You, you don't, you're not dependent on any agency or other service provider and you own it on your own, which is a process that I really, because it allows me to deep uh, to dig deeper into the the goals of the business itself and most more, more importantly the goals of the founder what do they want to take care of what do they want to outsource but it's really like both of these programs are based on the same principles it's just that if you don't want to if you don't want to take care of it and you want someone else so i think the done for you program makes a lot of sense to most brand founders i would say 
Fantastic. Yeah, it does make sense to have the option. It's really good. And I would say, um, I would suggest a couple of things to anyone listening. And again, look, this is a classic example. I'm a sort of very minor influencer in a very specific niche. And that is first observation, influence marketing isn't going anywhere. It's not something I'm particularly comfortable with. Somehow social media isn't my natural bag, but I think we will have to begin to wrap our heads around it. And the second thing is everyone wants to do everything themselves that I know because entrepreneurs fall into that trap, the Superman complex, as somebody called it the other day. And we just have to get over that and go, the very least you need is a done with you solution. So talk to somebody who's done this for 10 years or whatever. And the other thing is you may want to consider outsourcing it. Look at the numbers, at least consider it, right? So I would say that to anyone for many things, obviously you'd agree because you run an agency with this, but I'm just saying this is slightly more independent person. Don't put yet another thing on your to-do list because it just doesn't get done in my experience. That's just how it is. So you got a couple of free things for us. And first thing is a free video series on how to find an influencer, which strikes me as really the starting point for the whole thing over at influencersuccess.com. And just tell us briefly about what people will get if they head over there. Yeah. So if you go to influencersuccess.com, you can just put your email list and then you'll have a video walkthrough of me just showing how to find thousands of influencers on Instagram and TikTok, a very detailed video on how you can just either do it yourself or outsource it to whoever you want on your team. And if you go to influencersuccess.com slash 10K, you also get uh, a free $47 ebook that outlines the entire strategy so you can implement it on your own. Oh, and we can also hop on a chat to discuss your strategy for influencer partnerships and whether you'd like us to work together, either with a done with you or done for you program. So that's a free strategy call that even if you choose not to work with me and my team, I think you'll get a lot of value. And I really love talking with brand founders. I don't, I don't just fill my calendars with calls, but because I really enjoy your podcasts, I would love to jump on a few calls with the brand founders and learn more about your business. Brilliant. And just talking about your diary, just to protect it, your calendar, I guess you'd say in the States, is there a sort of minimum business size or a type of business model of the type of people you can and can't help? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that the done for you would be mostly relevant for high six figures brands, just because it is more scalable. I think the done with you could fit any type of brand. And I work with a few founders who are just launching their brands with influencer partnerships. So they decided not to spend so much on ads and building funnels and landing pages. And we work together to build relationships to launch their brand because I think it is more efficient. It's obviously had lower investment needed. And you can also um, implement it on your own pace. So you can start slow. We work together and you can scale it up once your business scaled up. Yeah, that's quite a nice thing about that compared to paid ad. It can be very effective if that Amazon ads or if you're in the direct consumer base, then Facebook ads have been very effective. They post the iOS update. Seems there's mixed bags coming back from what I hear, but certainly the money that flies out the door is incredibly quick. It's often yeah. not practical or it's not very reassuring. Either. The other question is just to double check that, I mean, obviously the primary focus here is for people to sell on Amazon, but that's a subset of e-commerce. Is it primarily for direct to consumer um, store owners or can you help people whose primary sales channel is Amazon? Oh, we work with both Amazon and direct-to-consumer. Essentially, it's brand building. It's a brand could be selling on Amazon or can sell on Shopify. It's just whatever mall that you choose your store to be in. But the brand is the brand and the relationship is a relationship. It doesn't matter. And I think this is one of the key benefits of building relationships because 
this is an asset that stays with you, whether your Amazon store gets shut down or you have other competitors taking over your spot or pricing war on Amazon. The relationship with influencers and the content and the social proof that you get goes with you wherever you choose to sell. So if you choose to then launch on direct-to-consumer or Shopify, you can go to the same influencer and say, hey, do you know that we now launch on Shopify? They, For them, it would still be the same brand. They still love your product and they would go with you to the other to your other channels. So I think it's just an asset that goes with you regardless of the channel that you sell on or even the channel that you advertise on. Even if your Facebook account gets shut down or prices go up, you still have those relationships and you can take them over to a different platform with you. Yeah, and that's a really important point as well. I guess you're building something, and this would explain why it takes time, effort, and some money. Although, as you say, pretty good value if you're just paying for products because uh, you're building something that is defensible and to some extent ownable. Owning a relationship is a funny phrase, I guess, because we don't own relationships, but at least we own the sort of yeah, insofar as you can own a relationship, we own it, right? <laughs> I guess Amazon quotes owns a relationship with its own customers quite tightly. So that's a really excellent point. Look, this has been great. I like your thought process about this. And it just struck me, one thing that struck me, you were saying earlier about the weighing up and justifying the cost of this is that you've got a ton of products. When you launch a product, particularly, you have a lot of products, you bought loads of it, which mm-hmm. may or may not sell that well, depending on how well it goes. Whereas you don't necessarily have much cash left at that point. So giving away products for free, as opposed to spending cash on something strikes me as very, what's the word, harmonious with the situation you're at in a product launch. We all know you've exchanged a ton of money for a ton of products. So it strikes me as quite a common sense thing to do, actually. What else have I not asked you that I should have asked you about this process? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we covered most of it. I think that what people should remember, we talked about numbers It is a numbers game, but essentially you don't need as many meaningful relationships to really, to add seven figures to your business, really, if we talk, if we take it to practice. So when you reach out to as many as possible, if they're relevant, just reach out to them. Don't think about what's going to happen. It's just, it's kind of like dating when you can, you can swipe right or left. And (laughs) when you say yes, and you open chats with so many people who are relevant, but then essentially you don't need more than maybe one meaningful relationship or a few in our case to really make your business successful. So it's having many influencers at the top of your funnel. When you reach out, you open the relationship, you send free product. But then even if you narrow it down to 20 or 30 meaningful relationships, they go with you for months and years. You can create so much content out of those relationships and so much social proof that this alone could build your business. And I really like what you said about um, the inventory versus cash situation, because I think that so many founders are in that situation. And I've been there as well. Like the only thing that you have is maybe an Amazon listing or a Shopify store and a thousand units of your product. And you're like, now I have to spend 5,000 more on Facebook ads and hire the agency for 3,000 a month and, and do creatives and copywriting and all of that just to figure out that not, none of it works and I need to redo it all over. So if you allocate out of this initial inventory, even 50 or 100 units to build your business and relationship could be your business because these are your customers. I think it's, it virtually guarantees that you will have success because you will either know that you need to iterate your product or you know that you have a very good product so people will rave about, you get great social proof and this will be the first building block 
to sell well on Amazon or Shopify or wherever you sell more than just a few customers that you can acquire through Facebook ad spend. Yeah. And this is the thing in the end is that a lot of the early version of Amazon and I grew up through that, if you like, as an online marketer so from 2014, it was very much a cash flow play. You put cash into stock would be pretty dodgy stuff from China. You put money into ads when the ad, I remember when Amazon ads came out, that makes me feel very old now, 2014. That was an exciting yeah. time. Um, <laughs> But it was kind of a cash flow play. And what we're doing now is, as you say, we are trying to build something where the metrics are different because it's longer term. You either iterate the product and you're seeing that as a win and it is, but it's not an immediate win and it's a painful one, but it's necessary. Or you're getting social proof. And again, you're seeing that as a longer term asset. And I think it's quite a mindset change for a lot of us. I'm still on that journey, but this has really been a, a very interesting perspective and you there's a lot of common sense and groundedness about what you say. This is great. So thank you so much. So Tomahen from Moco Media and Influencer Success. Again, just to let people know, if you want to get a free video series on how to find an influencer, always good to make sense of that slightly confusing process, influencersuccess.com. And if you want to reach out to Toma for a call, a free strategy call, and influencersuccess.com forward slash 10K, and they'll give you a free ebook worth actually being sold for $47. So thank you just for turning up, if I understand it. So a generous offer. I would always encourage people listening. That's you right now, if you're listening. Go and talk to experts for free. Yes, they're trying to sell you something. We're not naive about that, but that you don't have to say yes, but you will get free input into a really valuable thing. So why not get free advice? I do it myself all the time without taking up Thomas' diary the whole day. Thomas, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a real pleasure. Really appreciate the show. Thank you so much, Michael. If you would like resources and links and other help, to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 398.